Well, we live in a culture that's good at pointing out what is wrong with something. You might be good at that too. That's a, it's, it's a skill I uh, sometimes have, a skill you might have sometimes. Sometimes it's a very good thing to be able to look at something and see what's not working right with it to be able to fix it, right? If there's a flaw, sometimes we need to find it, we need to correct it. And yet sometimes we can do that to a fault, right? We can narrow in on something so much that it's overbearing or we exploit it or we want to point out something that's wrong so that everyone else knows what's wrong and so that you you really know how bad that person is, so to speak, right? We, uh, we live in this society that will point out flaws and yet if you try to point out a flaw in someone else, then sometimes you get shut down and then it's not as good to point out the flaw. Uh, you don't have the right to point out the flaw anymore when you're talking about me. So we live in a society not only like that, but a society that thinks about how we have full autonomy, which basically means we can do, can do, and should do whatever we want. We should get whatever we want. We as a people, deserve that. That's how we should not only think about ourselves, but think about other people. If they want it, they, they should have it. They deserve to have it. That's how, really, I think, if we look around, most people think in our society. And really, this society is not that different than the society that Jesus lived in. People are still people. There is no sin that has gone extinct and so the same sins that people were facing 2,000 years ago are still present in the hearts of people today. And so when we look at what Jesus says in our passage this morning, we see how it is relevant not just then, but to us as well. But really, hopefully, we're able to not only see these problems around us, it's a good thing to see them, to be able to realize the problems and inconsistencies with ideas, we need to get to that place where we can identify them and not be tossed to and fro by every idea that comes about. But hopefully, we're not just able to see these in other people, but we're able to see them in ourselves as well. In other words, Jesus would say, before we look through the window, we should look in a mirror. We should see where are these things in ourselves? Are we growing in holiness? And that's the first priority for us as Christians in the kingdom of God. And this is what our passage this morning talks about. We are continuing in the Sermon on the Mount in the final chapter. So if you have a Bible this morning, I'd invite you to turn to Matthew 7, verses 1 through 12, and we'll read it together words will also be on the screen this morning. But let's read together Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So as we enter this final chapter in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is teaching, we remember that he's, he's teaching these things to his disciples. We see that at the very beginning, he sat down and taught his disciples that came to him. And we remember that because of that, Jesus had he had proclaimed the good news, right? That's how he started his ministry. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And people had believed him. They believed what he was saying. They believed that the kingdom of heaven was coming through him. They turned around. They repented. They followed after him. And then Jesus is teaching them here, okay, what are you supposed to do now? You're a part of the kingdom of heaven. You're a Christian. Now, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to live and so this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples here in this sermon. You're in the kingdom because you've believed and followed Jesus. Now this is what you're supposed to do. And this morning, Jesus tells his followers, judge not. In other words, he's saying, don't judge like a Pharisee. That's really what he's saying. That's how we could sum up this term. What does it mean to judge not? Don't judge like a Pharisee. You've uh, probably heard the phrase, maybe used these phrases before, right? Don't judge me. Uh, only God can judge me. Who am I to judge? Right? All of these phrases are things you hear in everyday conversation, and maybe have said them yourself. But what Jesus is saying here is that it's not a blanket statement of we should never judge anyone, but there's a certain type of judging that we should avoid. You remember throughout, uh, throughout this Sermon on the Mount, really starting back in chapter 5, Jesus is telling us, you need a greater righteousness. You need a righteousness that's greater than the most religious people here on earth in order to be a part of the kingdom of God, in order to have this eternal life of following Jesus and knowing God. And so Jesus is teaching us, what does it look like to have this greater righteousness? What does it look like to actually be perfect, like our Father in heaven is perfect? This greater righteousness is not just not killing someone, but it's also not getting angry with people. 
It's not just not committing adultery. It's also not lusting. And so we see Jesus throughout this sermon teaching us what does it mean to have this greater righteousness, this righteousness that the Pharisees didn't have. And so here, he's really telling us the same thing. He's telling us what does it mean to follow this command to not judge how did the Pharisees do it and how do you need to do it better, so to speak? And so you remember the Pharisees, they, they looked good on the outside, but inside they, they were dead. They were like whitewashed tombs. They didn't really know God. And so Jesus tells us, don't judge like them. Think about how the Pharisees judged throughout Jesus' time here on earth. They, they judged his heart or they assumed his motives because he said that he could forgive sins. They judged him for eating with tax collectors and sinners. They judged him for not keeping the Sabbath like they thought he should, not washing his hands according to the customs of the day, or the more serious ones. They condemned him and said he had his power from Satan when he, when he performed miracles. And they opposed him. They, they thought he himself was opposed to God and they opposed him and they killed him. All of these things are how they, how they judge Jesus. And when Jesus turned around in, later in the book of Matthew and he talked about the scribes and the Pharisees and he pronounced these woes on them, he, he said that they were hypocrites, that they were, they were guilty of everything that they were judging these other people for. Right, They would make sure they give one-tenth of their spices to God, and yet they, for God, they neglected the weightier things of the law to do justice, to have mercy and faithfulness. And so as Christians, we're not supposed to judge like that. In other words, we're supposed to be merciful because we know that we are fellow sinners and will be held to the same standards. If we show no mercy, then as it says in James, God will show us no mercy as well. If we're hypercritical, then when God judges us, he will also be hypercritical of us. That's the principle that Jesus is telling us here. We're not supposed to assume we know the motives of other people. That's what the Pharisees did. We're not supposed to set ourselves up as the judge, jury, and executioner because God is judge. Those titles belong to God. And so we must not think that we know better than God and call something sin or condemn someone when God has not spoken. God calls us to be merciful, to be charitable with people, to not have this demeanor of a condemning judge. If God, well, one application would be if God has left something in the realm of Christian liberty or liberty of conscience, in other words, if he hasn't specifically given us a command against something, it's a gray area, then we should be slow to speak, slow to judge in those areas. We have to decide what is how, right for ourselves, how we should follow God, and yet we can't assume that we know other people's motives. And if God has left it open, 
and the Bible says it's a matter of conscience, then we shouldn't hold other people to our standards, our decisions in that matter, because it's a matter of freedom. Now, this is not to say that we should bend the rules in order to say that things are okay or to let things slide. This is, this is really the pressure we would feel all around us. This is what peer pressure does from the youngest age to the oldest. We are always tried to be influenced to say that it's, it's really not that bad or that we shouldn't really judge others. But really, when we look at the life of Jesus, this is not what he did. He was merciful and ate with sinners, and yet he never called evil good, or sinners never left his presence and thought, I should keep living the same way I was. They were changed by coming into contact with him, and he he sent them off and said, go and sin no more. And so Jesus understood this, that at the same time, we must not have this condemning, overcritical attitude, and yet we must also say what God says and not bend the holiness of God. So we should be wise. That's how you could sum it up. We have to be wise in how we do this and how we judge when to know whether we should judge or whether we should not in the situation. We see even in this passage that Jesus isn't saying that we should never judge because he tells us that we need to rightly evaluate other people so we can help them take the speck out of their own eye, that we, we should know what people are like so we don't give what is holy to the dogs or cast our pearls before swine, right? There are those people who are hostile to God and his kingdom and the things of his word. And that's, that's really what the Pharisees were like. And so Jesus, just like Jesus, started teaching in parables to conceal the truth and not present it to them. So there are times where we must evaluate those who are hostile to the word of God and as difficult as it sounds, not present that truth to them in the same way, following the examples of Jesus. And so Jesus is saying not that we should never evaluate, not that we should never judge or call sin, sin, but that we need to judge with righteous judgment. We need to judge as a merciful judge. And remember that God is judge. We're not the final judge, but we will be judged by him. So there are temptations on both sides. But Jesus says, don't be like the Pharisee. Don't be judging people's motives, assuming you know their motives, judging without mercy. Because if you judge like a Pharisee, then you'll end up looking like a hypocrite. And that's really what Jesus turns to. He says, when you focus on the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye, you're being a hypocrite. That's what he says here. He says, you're being a hypocrite if you focus on the speck in your brother's eye, but you have a log in your own eye. So maybe, maybe you've had this thought, man, there's this person in church and I just wish they would invite someone to church. Like I know they know people, 
I know they're around people that they could talk to God about, or they're, they're really gifted. Like God has given them this, this ability. And, you know, I really think they could be using it to serve God in better ways, and they're just not. Maybe you've had that thought. So often, we're more than happy to, to hold a magnifying glass up to other people and not hold that mirror up to ourselves. And so before, as citizens of God's kingdom, before we are concerned about other people, we need to be concerned about ourselves. Where am I at in doing these things? Am I, when I point these things out in others and notice them in others, do I notice them in myself? How can I utilize more of the the things God has given me, whether that's time or abilities, in, in showing love to others, in serving the church? What are relationships I have? If I want other people to invite people to church, have I talked about God with my family this week? Have I had a conversation about something spiritual with my neighbor recently? Have I invited someone to church myself? Right? We notice the shortcomings of others, but Jesus is saying that we need to hold that mirror up to ourselves. The Pharisees, they, they would talk about putting these heavy burdens on other people. Jesus described them. They put heavy burdens on people, and yet they don't lift a finger to move those burdens themselves. They were more than happy to lay out the standards and tell people what they should be doing, and yet they themselves were not doing those things. And so we shouldn't hold other people to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. That would be hypocritical. If we have not seen sin in ourselves and repented and followed down this path of following God, then we should not start the process of pointing that out in others until we are doing that work in ourselves. Jesus says that would be hypocritical. That's what the Pharisees did. Now, Jesus tells us to do that for a reason. And this is where this takes a turn, right? It's up to this point, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, don't judge other people. But here it starts to take a turn and he's telling us, well, this is why. So he's told us to focus on our own holiness. And really, he says that because focusing on our own holiness is the only way we'll actually be able to help other people. Because if we have a log in our own eye, we will not be able to see clearly to take the speck out of our brother's eye. You know, if you think about that illustration, if you've got a log sticking out of your eye, you really can't get close enough or see well enough to, to get a little speck out of someone else's eye. You have to take the log out. But when you do that, then you can see clearly. Then you are told. Jesus tells us then you will see clearly and you will be able to take the speck out. It's not that we shouldn't do that, but we have to focus on our own holiness. Jesus tells us, how are you going to lead someone down this path of holiness in following God if you haven't even walked it yourself? If you don't know the way down this path, how are you going to show someone else the way down this path? And so do what you can to seek this path so that you can lead others down it as well. That is Jesus' emphasis, that we should care enough about other people 
that we're willing to work on our own lives and the sin in our own lives so that we would be able to help them down that path. So you remember the example. You look around and you see someone who could be doing more in church. Well, if we're focusing on that, if we've come to the place where we realize, hey, I'm not doing what I should be or what I could be, and we've repented of that and we have started doing that, we have started serving, we've, we've volunteered when someone didn't ask us or we just came and said, hey, can I do something when there wasn't even an opportunity to serve, then, then we should, we should say something to that brother or sister. We should say, hey, I've noticed this. I think you have this great ability that you could use better. And we should speak the truth in love to them and show them that they're, they're missing out on a better way. We have started down this path and it leads to goodness. This is the, the good life that Jesus is talking about here in this sermon. And would you take this speck out so you can see clearly and walk this path as well? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, focus on yourselves and your own holiness, but don't put the blinders on and think that your life and following God is the only thing that matters. God puts you here in this church around other brothers and sisters for a reason so that you and they would grow in holiness together as well. And so Jesus says this, and really he he says hard things in this. It is hard to know when we should judge others and when we should not and how we should go about this process. The last thing I think is important to point out in this is Galatians 6.1 talks about this. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so you who are spiritual, and that's not like a super Christian, that just means you have the Spirit and you're showing fruit of the Spirit, like it says the chapter before in Galatians 5. If you have the Spirit and you're showing fruit of the Spirit, you should restore people in a spirit of gentleness and help bear one another's burdens. That really is what Jesus is saying here. And so if you didn't pick up on it or you haven't felt the weight of it, stop now and think, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard to know because it's not just hard to think through ourselves, but then we get all these differing opinions on when we should judge and when we should not judge, not just from the outside world, but from other people who sit next to us on Sunday mornings, right? There are different, uh, not interpretations, but it's, hard to, it's just hard to figure it out sometimes. And so Jesus, it's almost as if he anticipates that, and he knows that. And he goes on in the next section to, to tell us, to direct us, to seek God's help. He tells us, judge not and take the speck out of your own eye, or take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. But then he turns and he says, ask, seek, knock. It's not as... It's not as though just figuring out when to judge and not to judge is hard. Uh, D.A. Carson pointed this out in his commentary on this passage. He said that, really, we should recognize that everything Jesus has said up to this point is hard. 
It's hard to have a righteousness like the righteousness of God. That's really hard. It's hard to have a righteousness better than the Pharisees. Because in a lot of ways, they were the the peak of human spirituality. But Jesus really is turning and he's saying, with man this is impossible, but with God this is possible. This kind of righteousness and holiness is possible, but it comes from God. And so ask him. Ask him for it. And he will be pleased to give it. Seek it. Knock, and it will be opened. Jesus is saying, as he begins to wrap up this Sermon on the Mount, that you should feel the weight of what God expects from you, and then you should bring it back to God and ask him to provide and do this work in you that he expects, because he will do it. This is what it means to be poor in spirit. We realize we don't have this ability in ourselves. We need his help. We need God to work in us. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't just leave us with this thought of, hopefully God will help you out to fulfill this task. No, he gives us more than that. He gives us these promises that God, when we ask, God will answer. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, it will be open because God cares for us as our Father. He wants to see this done in us. It is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, to, to, to make us into people who live like this. We may be fighting a battle against sin and Satan, but it would not be wrong to say the odds are tilted in our favor. Because God wills for us to succeed in this task of looking more like his son. And he's working everything together for that. And that is an encouraging thought. This is an encouraging promise that this is what God wants. And he tells us to ask him for it. Augustine famously said, command what you will and will what you command. In other words, God gives us commands, but he also provides for us to be able to follow him in those commands. And so we need God's help to follow these commands. We must ask, we must seek him. And then Jesus, in what he says next in verse 12, it's as if he's telling us this final thought. Don't overcomplicate this. Right? We need this greater righteousness, but really it's not complex. It's not difficult. It's actually simple. It's not simplistic, but it's, it's actually simple. You can boil it down into one statement. And that statement, what does it mean to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? What does it mean to love other people? It's boiled down into this one statement, the golden rule. Whatever we wish others would do to us, we do to them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Right? This is the summary. You could sum up the entire Old Testament. Remember that that phrase, the law and the prophets. Jesus has already said that. He said that that refers to the whole Old Testament and that he fulfilled that. He fulfills the Old Testament in what he's doing and coming in Matthew chapter 5. And so here he's telling us that as we, as we imitate him, as we follow this 
golden rule that we also will fulfill the fullness of what God expects from us, this greater righteousness that the Pharisees who knew the Old Testament and tried to follow it as best they could, as best they, could they fell short of this. And yet Jesus says, this is the way to follow the righteousness of God. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Just like we saw the, the nuances with the phrase, judge not, this golden rule doesn't mean that we give other people whatever they want, because that would not be best in every situation. I think if you've been a parent or you've seen people with kids, you know that it's not always best to give them whatever they want. But God is saying that we should focus and think about his definition of what is best and what is good. And we should give people what is best according to his definition. And so whatever we, hopefully we would want that for ourselves, right? We would want God to give us what is best. We would not just want to be happy for a little bit or settle for feeling good for a moment or even to just settle for having a good life for 60 or 70 or 80 years, hopefully we would want a, a life, a good life that Jesus describes here that, that goes on for eternity, the eternally good life under the good shepherd. And we would want that for ourselves. We would want other people to show us how to find that and how to live out that life. Hopefully we would want that for ourselves. And so we should want that for others as well. It goes back to showing this care for others. We want what is good. We, we don't want to see them walking around with that sawdust in their eyes. That's not pleasant. We want them to receive what is good and think of what is best for them in light of eternity. And so Jesus sums up this righteousness towards others. He sums up the Old Testament teaching, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, this is what that means. Whatever you would wish others would do to you, do also to them. And so Jesus is telling us really what it means to be a Christian. He tells us, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the best life for us and for those around us? It's, it's seeking, really, if, if we're seeking the best, the best thing for people around us and the best thing for ourselves, we'll end up seeking the same thing because it all leads us to following God and living this kind of life, this righteous life that he presents us. That is only possible for those who have become his citizens, who have believed this good news of the kingdom. He tells us that this life is judging with righteous judgment, not being overly critical or hypocritical in our judgment. He says the focus on our own holiness and then help lead other people down that path of holiness, watching out for those that are hostile as we go. He says to pray that we need God in this task. Pray. Pray that God would make you this kind of person. And then seek this righteousness. Seek to live this way. Follow God with this 
simplicity of doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is what God calls us to. This is the righteousness of the kingdom. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we come to you poor in spirit. We need your help. We need you to do this work in us. We are bankrupt. We don't have the ability to do it. We cannot figure these things out. Lord, we need you. We need to fear you to have your wisdom and have your insight. We need you and your Holy Spirit to work in us to bring these things about so that we would bear a life of fruitfulness for you. I pray that you would do these things in us. Lord, give us wisdom to know when we should point out faults and when we should be merciful. May we be humble and look in the mirror daily so that we would see how we can walk down this path of holiness so that we might lead others. And Lord, keep us on our knees. Keep us asking and seeking and knocking for these things from you. May we live with this simple thought in mind, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Lord, thank you that you have brought us into the kingdom if we have believed in you. Thank you that you have started this work and that you promised to complete this work and that you've given us your word to guide us. You've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us on this journey. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.